A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Welcome to Smarty Pants, the podcast of the American Scholar magazine, sponsored by Phi Beta Kappa. I'm your host, Stephanie Bastek. Sometimes the historical truth is so strange, you just have to turn it into fiction. Such is the story of William Sidney Porter, better known as the American short story writer O. Henry. But before he made it big selling tales about Magi gifts and Cisco kids, Porter embezzled some money. He fled Texas and headed for Honduras, which at the turn of the 20th century had no extradition treaty with the U.S. There, Porter observed the wheelings and dealings of American robber barons that inspired him to coin the term Banana Republic, which also happens to be the title of a new novel by Eric Sean Rawson, a professor of creative writing at the University of Southern California and our guest this week. Inspired by the true life, short stories, and crimes of O. Henry, Rawson's novel shows us the banana republics of the 20th century and the U.S.'s questionable interventions therein through the ironical, often drunk eyes of a fictionalized William Sidney Porter. Thanks for joining me, Eric. Thank you. It's my pleasure. So the book Banana Republic is based on the life of O. Henry, and I had completely forgotten O. Henry's actual name, and then I realized that it turns out your main character's name is actually William Sidney Porter. <laughs> so, first question, how true to O. Henry's life is the novel? Um, I would say it's based on real events. Um, I took some liberties in terms of a historical timeline. So, uh, William Sidney Porter, who later became known as O. Henry, uh, was indeed charged with embezzling from the First National Bank of Austin um, in 1896 and fled the country to Honduras. In the book, I've set the escapades of William Sidney Porter in 1905 um, for some particular reasons in that I was interested in positioning O. Henry uh, and his time in Central America in terms of certain political and economic events that were occurring. Uh, they've come to later be known as the Banana Wars, in which the United States intervened uh, in governments in Central America in order to ensure the production of sugar and bananas and to help the J.P. Morgan Combine, which uh, held a lot of debt, uh, sovereign, a lot of the debt from these sovereign uh, nations. Um, there was an invasion of Honduras by the United States in 1910. And so I thought, well, maybe I'll kind of like the first of several invasions, actually. And so I thought, well, I'll split the difference here uh, between 1896, 1910. I'll kind of conflate those events uh, for the sake of, um, 
imaginative fiction. And, uh, and so I arrived in 1905 as the date um, that I put O. Henry in Central America. Um, he was eventually the actual real life O. Henry was eventually convicted and sentenced to five-year prison term for his embezzlement um, of funds to support his struggling newspaper in Austin, Texas, which was called The Rolling Stone. So, yes, I mean, it is more or less accurate in those terms. Yeah, it's much easier, I guess, to fudge the life of a a fictional character than to fudge all of history. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's not a biography. (laughs) Of course not, yeah. Well, I mean, speaking of fudging, um, instead of Honduras, you set your tale in a country that is loosely based on Honduras or could really be almost any one of these banana republics. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you set the scene a little bit? You know, the town that your Sydney Porter lands in (laughs) is called Coralio. Uh Um, But what is, you know, what's life like in... 1905 Central America when all of these robber barons, for lack of a better word, are like (laughs) fighting over bananas and sugar and money. Well, first of all, let me say that the town of Coralio I borrowed from O. Henry's work, Cabbages and Kings, which he wrote while he was in Honduras during his exile. So Honduras um, provided the setting for his first, it's it's not exactly a novel, but kind of a loose collection of episodes that are sort of novelistic in structure. Um, that he wrote while he was holed up in the Trujillo Hotel in Trujillo on the coast of, um, of Honduras. And he called the town of Trujillo Coralio uh, in his book. And so I've borrowed that as well as a lot of other sort of details and characters from O'Henry's book itself um, that he is working on in my book while he's sitting in the town of Coralio. So um, part of my... Uh, creation of this location is is borrowed from O'Henry's observations, okay, or William Sidney Porter's observations um, of of Trujillo, Honduras, during the time that he was there, and some of the people that he met, uh, real-life characters such as Alfonso Jennings, who was a lawyer turned bank robber, turned train robber, uh, who had fled there, and uh, along with the Louisiana State Treasurer and a lot of other sort of like um, government level criminals who were fleeing extradition um, proceedings in the United States. And they, and they did settle along the coast of Honduras to wait out their statute of limitations. So I don't, again, make any claims that the, the sort of picture of life at the turn of the century in Honduras is, as I've presented it, beyond sort of like how it was seen through the eyes of William Sidney Porter. Yeah, I mean, O'Henry is also the guy behind the term Banana Republic, Exactly. Um, so where does that come from? <laughs> Obviously, bananas. But mm-hmm. um, how does his experience in Honduras lead him to come up with this very useful term, shall we say? <laughs> um, the term comes from the book Cabbages and Kings, the country that he was, the, which is a little bit unnamed. I mean, he named the city um, that he was staying in, Coralio, but he called it a banana republic. And I think in, in many ways, William Sidney Porter, you know, sort of represented uh, his time and the way that he viewed, you know, d- developing nations in the Western Hemisphere, which was not exactly with sympathy. I think he felt that the governments, and, and perhaps he had some basis for this, were largely corrupt and um, were run as, you know, sort of the personal fiefdoms of the men who were in charge. The president, in this case, um, both in my book and, and in O'Henry's book and in real life, were individuals who were propped up by 
either American economic interests, in this case it would be um, Sam Zamuri's Cayamel uh, Fruit Company in Honduras or the United Fruit Company in Guatemala and, and British Honduras and other Central American countries, and were part of Theodore Roosevelt's expanding sphere of influence in, in the Caribbean, in the Western Hemisphere, uh, those two political and economic currents came together to create a system of puppet governments uh, in Central America. And they were primarily to support the fruit industry. And so, um, o, o. Henry, I think, you know, latched onto the term banana republic as a way of describing this particular political system. Again, I'm not a political scientist nor an historian, but I do think that it is accurate in terms of how the character William Sidney Porter and perhaps the real life William Sidney Porter would have viewed um, this particular situation that he was in. You know, he adopts a sort of detached attitude towards the situation he's in. He, know, he knows he's not going to be there forever, and um, he is very much, you know, connected in with the expatriate community without having a lot to do with, with life in the country that he's been exiled to. So, I mean, it's been like 115 years since your yeah. story takes place, and um, <laughs> even longer since O. Henry was actually in Honduras. So yes. why tell this story now? What compelled mm-hmm. you to dig up O. Henry's misadventures and adventures in Latin America and to fictionalize them? Well, first of all, let me say that I would not put myself in the category of an O. Henry fan necessarily. I've, I've read O. Henry's stories since I was young. But a few years ago, I was looking at Cabbages and Kings again, and I was thinking, you know, this is kind of an interesting story. It's, it's a mess. Um, I don't really, you know, it's, it, the, the episodes are very sort of loosely connected. The language is very sort of difficult to, to get through. I wonder, you know, if, w- what this would look like if I, if I were sort of like messing around with it. Again, very presumptuous. It would be um, sort of like repainting a masterpiece uh, because I didn't like the way that Michelangelo had used the color blue. But... I was interested in what was going on um, historically in that time period, particularly the political history of the 20th century uh, is interesting to me, and I'm not sure that I felt like there was any particular timeliness to it, um, although perhaps there is. It was more a matter of, like, it engaged my imagination. But we can always find parallels. We can always find connections between historical moments and, and our current moment. I don't know that we learn any lessons from them, but we can certainly explore some of the issues. Right. I was definitely feeling the isolation uh, <laughs> how he's like all alone in this. Well, not alone, but, you know, not yeah. with his friends or family. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's kind of in quarantine down there. This sort of a legal quarantine, I guess. A legal quarantine. <laughs> I like that a lot. Yeah. I mean, speaking of how O. Henry sort of imagined America at the time, I think that's really interesting because O. Henry is such a quintessentially American writer now, a exactly. hundred years later. So, I mean, what was his vision of the time? How did he write America from far away? <laughs> um, I mean, I think he, with an ironic eye. I mean, O. Henry is, is an ironist, and I, I hope I was able to capture that in the book as well. You know, I mean, he's, he's a product of his time as well. I mean, he was, he was a Southerner. He was from North Carolina and um, settled in Texas eventually, and I think he, he bore a lot of the social and political attitudes of, of the South in those days. I would say that um, although he was 
ironic about the situation that he was in and about the country and the world around him, I don't think he would be considered sort of an oppositional figure by any means. Uh, he was an extremely popular writer in his day, the most popular writer in his day, both as a journalist and then later as a short story writer. And so just in those terms, I think he very much represented the kind of thinking um, of the American population at that time. I don't know. I'm always a little hesitant because, again, I'm not really writing a biography of him. And by the way, I will say there are not a lot of good biographies of O. Henry out there. So that's an open invitation to somebody to write one. Yeah, there's this interesting scene in the very beginning when um, your porter is introducing himself to uh, his you know, new expatriate friends. And uh, one of them says, you're one of those fellows aims to be remembered by future generations. <laughs> Porter was shocked. I am not. I report the news of the day. And yet, that's not how we remember no. William Sidney Porter. <laughs> right. We don't read his journalism today, generally. That's that's true. You know, I mean, he was, he was at first a journalist, but he was a journalist in sort of a different way than we think of a journalist in publishing the Rolling Stone in Austin, which was a newspaper. Um, he, you know, he wrote almost all of the stories and many of them from whole cloth. <laughs> it's not, it wasn't so much reporting the facts as like providing um, interest to people. And, and uh, I, I think that, you know, maybe we can see a little bit of that um, today as well. He was eventually brought down in that endeavor for political reasons for uh, supporting the wrong candidate in a San Antonio election. That partly accounts for the demise of the Rolling Stone and his need to find some funding uh, to keep it afloat. But the character of Porter himself is, is not interested in, in authoritatively or objectively reporting the news. He's interested in selling papers. Uh, he needs to make a living. Given that, it seems like the leap from reportage to short stories for <laughs> William Sidney Porter and the leap from William Sidney Porter to O. Henry was not that steep a chasm. Uh, I think you're right. Yeah. I mean, it was very much of a piece. And and, uh, and, and his writing style was very similar um, in his journalistic work. So what was your favorite part about digging up um, O. Henry's story and fictionalizing it? What were your um, favorite experiences from writing the novel? <laughs> um Hmm, that's a very that's a very good question. Well, I will say I'm not as a non-historian, I didn't engage in deep archival research other than looking at newspapers and magazines from the time period to kind of see, you know, what writing style was like and what was being reported. But I did have the opportunity to do a fair amount of research on the Banana Wars. And I guess that was that was actually more interesting to me maybe than Porter's life, is just sort of the way in which this particular basically 30 or 40 year episode in American history is not something that we um, spend a lot of time on uh, nor think too much about. Um, it's kind of hard to imagine that the U.S. had an interest in propping up these regimes, you know, pri primarily for the benefit of a few um, commodities growers. But, um, but it was true, and I was interested in, in learning about this. I was also interested in kind of studying um, what New Orleans was like. New Orleans was the major conduit to Caribbean commodities trading, how it was run, who controlled um, the docks, and some of the various political intrigues that were um, prevalent at that time. But in the end, I'm not sure that there was any one element that really sort of interests me. I'm kind of, a, I'm interested in like a, an array of different uh, points and, and influences and connections between things and how they kind of like fit together into some sort of um, imaginative work again. What you're saying about how we don't really talk about the Banana Wars, really, even though they 
historically have given rise to contemporary Latin American and U.S. relationships is right. really telling. Um, do you, is that sort of what you hope people get out of the book? Like, obviously, a good romp. Um, sure. O. Henry's life is is no snooze. Um, are you hoping that, you know, people read it and they're like, what a strange, you know, like how strange our history truly is? I guess truth is stranger than fiction. Uh, well, yeah, I think that's, yes, I do. I mean, I, I, I do think that um, the strangeness of, of the events are interesting in themselves. I mean, are worth looking at in themselves. But in the end, I'm, I'm simply hoping that there are characters who resonate with people and that sort of like um, their um, creation uh, lives in people in a way that... Um, that, you know, I well, I guess maybe I should say it this way. When I look to fiction, I'm looking for characters who live with me that I carry around and that I have conversations with after I've closed the book and maybe even many years later that supersede sort of the events of the book itself in many ways. And so I guess I would hope that people would, yes, be interested in sort of like what was happening in the Caribbean at the turn of the last century, but also that they would be able to carry characters with them that would be a means of like engaging with whatever is happening contemporaneously as well. Yeah. Well, and the nice thing about, you know, closing a book that it's about a fictionalized real character is right. you can turn to the stories of O. Henry himself. So, <laughs> right. I mean, I know you're not necessarily a partisan or a fan, but if you have them, what are, you know, one or two favorite O. Henry stories you'd recommend? Um, well, I guess the ones that people are familiar with are probably among the best. They're read for a reason. Um, I like The Ransom of Red Chief simply because it's so fun. Uh, it's, a, it's a story I read when I was very young and I've re- revisited it over the years. And, and I just sort of love the wit of, of the story itself. Um, and, and I do actually like the and quote unquote novel, um, Cabbages and Kings, which is the Honduran Tales. They're fun and they're interesting, but they're also, oddly enough, I think, and this is maybe because it, they come at the beginning of O'Henry's short story writing career, they're kind of murky and sprawling. They sort of ramble around and they, they, they have trouble finding their center and the language exceeds the events in many cases. But, but to me, that's really interesting. I mean, I, I sort of like to see that, that mess. And, and I think a lot of times we think of O'Henry's stories as these neat, tidy um, little boxes, you know, they've got the twist ending and everything's like tied up with a bow at the end. Um, and those are not as interesting to me as some of this messy work in the original book. So yeah, Ransom of Red Chief, Cabbages and Kings. Um, I, I probably would set aside the gift of the Magi just because at this point it's been so overread by everybody that it's easy to miss sort of the story that he's telling for the kind of moral that people tend to extract from it. And, and that is a problem I have with O'Henry is he does have a moralizing tendency um, that I think is maybe like not uh, resonant with contemporary fiction. It's certainly not resonant with me. We've got links in the show notes to Eric Sean Rawson's novel, Banana Republic, as well as his recommendations for further reading, both on the real life Banana Republics and for O. Henry short stories. We'll be back next week. Till then, take care and stay sharp. Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.